This podcast is brought to you by BeatStars, the number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. In this episode, our host Dame Ritter sits down with CC Gospodinov, digital marketing and partnerships manager at Virgin Music, to discuss how to use TikTok for growing your music career. To our pro page users, don't forget to check out our opportunities and challenges on BeatStars World for a chance to work with some of the industry's best creators. If you're not a ProPage member, but would like to try it out, use the code PODCAST for a 30-day free trial. And of course, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Enjoy the show. We are live now. Uh, What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. Uh, we're going to get the session started in just a little bit. I see some people starting to come in here. Bufo's already in here. What's going on, Bufo? Appreciate you always chiming in. Uh, let's see. My guest is having a hard time. It's not working for her. So let me um, let me see what's going on. Let me see what's going on. Let me uh, help her out. We'll get started. Today's going to be a really dope session. I promise most of our sessions are really dope. Um uh, actually, I would say all of our sessions are dope. Let's see. Eighth Life, what up? Rizzy A Beats, what up? Toralo Matt, what's going on? Appreciate you tuning in. Um, see, we got people coming in from YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Twitch. Uh, today is going to be another dope session. I'm really looking forward to this one because a lot of the questions I get asked, um, I'm hoping our guests can, can answer for you guys. Um so you won't just get my perspective on rollout strategies, marketing, social media, all that jazz. Um, today we're talking marketing, how to get your music out there, uh, how to get you guys more fans, more streams. Um, that's what we will be talking about today. Dope. So Toralo Matt has known our guest for seven years. Dope, 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 dope. Bufo said today's MEC podcast was dope. Yes, I, I thought it was a good discussion. If you didn't know, we drop a podcast every Monday. Um, and we record it every Thursday, drop it every Monday. So today it's out. Um, looks like we have her coming in just a second. Oh, I forgot to send out the text too. So let me up. Uh, we're in business. We are in business. Can you hear me? Yes. Amazing. Okay, I was like struggling so hard for a second there. <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm. I, I was rushing this morning. I didn't. I didn't even send out my text that goes out to let people know that we're live. So if you just bear with me for just a second, I want to send out a text so that we get some more people in here. Uh, and for those that don't know, if you text MEC to eight four four two zero six seven eight hundred, I send out this text every week to give you guys a reminder. We make everything so simple for you. Uh, one second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this. All good. Um, all right. Make it nice and brief. We are live. Now. Of course, I can't type when I need to. Oh, that's the wrong link. Bear with me one second, everyone. Let me send this out. Boom. All right. So we're good to go. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. Now, how do I pronounce your name? Because I don't want to get it wrong. And I know our interaction has been um, over social media thus far. So sometimes I, I forget to, to get clarity on, on pronouncing people's names. No, no, you're good. It is Cece. Um, my full name is Sion, but I've just always gone by Cece and it seems to be the simple way to go about it. So yeah, Cece. Awesome. So I came across Cece, I believe in clubhouse. Cause sometimes I just lurk in clubhouse just to hear what people are saying and I can identify the people that kind of really know what they're talking about. Wow. I have NBC. So I reached out via Instagram and she responded. It was awesome. So now she's here uh, to talk music marketing. Do you want to give people a brief background on, on who you are, kind of what you're doing right now before we jump into it? Yeah, sweet. Let's do like a, a little speed round. Um, 
What's up, guys? My name's Cece. I um, I started out in live events. I was doing uh, festival and concert operations. Um, over time, I kind of realized I really wanted to work more with on the artist side and in recorded music, but um, I didn't feel like I could do that in Miami. I didn't speak Spanish. I feel like most of the recorded music market there is Latin and um, I just felt like I needed to make the move to LA and really learn more about the music business. I didn't know what publishing was. I didn't know that like sync was a job opportunity. Like I didn't know anything about the music business besides live promoters and agents. So I came to LA to study at USC in their music master's program. Um, and during that time I was able to intern again because I was technically a student. So I went back to interning, uh, ran around and tried different internships in management and A&R and sync, eventually kind of landed on that I wanted to be at a label, either doing marketing or A&R, and then was super blessed to land a job at Caroline, which is now Virgin Music, right before the pandemic. Um, so I've been there right, I think I just made a year, like a month ago. Um, and now I'm the digital partnerships manager. So very happy to be here. Very happy to be with my Virgin Music fam. But yeah, it's been a long journey transitioning from live events and especially like during a pandemic, right? When like everything shut down, I was like, wow, I couldn't have made the move and at a better time. <laughs> right, right. So so you went through a form, more formal education program at USC. Um, can you just talk through kind of what that experience was like, if it, if it was something that you would suggest other people do that uh, or something similar to or, or, or not? So I think the great thing about music is you don't need a formal education to get into it, but you do need to know, I think it's very valuable for everyone to know how the business works. So whether you buy several books like Don Passman's All You Need to Know About the Music Industry and whether you follow like the trades and read articles and understand the business side of it, you could go that route. For me, it was a little hard to grasp. And I felt like going and having someone who was already working in the industry teach me was going to be very helpful. So I, I'm also a big like supporter of education. I feel like people should go and get a college degree if they can afford it. Um, but the reason I specifically went to get, you don't, I mean, you don't need a master's degree to work in music at all. I'll tell you that right now, but I definitely used it as a way to transition and kind of restart and get what I needed. Right. So I, in, in college, I studied, um, like in undergrad, I studied hospitality and events because at the time I wanted to work in festivals. Um, and the reason I, I went to FIU specifically in Miami is because they run the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. So I figured like, okay, experience is what's more valuable. And that always matters, right? Like at the end of the day, degree is not going to get you anywhere. And I specifically went to that school because it allowed me to work the festival and gain events experience. So the same concept mm -hmm. with why I came and studied music business at USC was I needed to move to LA. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any like grounding in the city at all to even begin networking. And I could only learn so much by reading books, right? So to me, coming to USC to get my master's was a way to like properly go through and learn like copyright law and learn about the different types of jobs there are in music. Cause I knew I wanted to work more with artists, but I still didn't know what field, right? I thought I wanted to be a manager. Then I was like, sync is cool. Let me try that. Then I was like, well, I really love A&R. And then through doing the A&R internship, I found out I really, I really love marketing. Um, so I kind of use it as a way to one learn and two, because I was a student again, I could intern. So that was the way I was able to get into these smaller companies with a foot in the door and kind of restart and, and get my footing in LA. So it's really what you make of it, right? Like you don't have to go. I know tons of people who never even went to college who go on to be very successful in music, but you like knowledge is invaluable, right? Like some of the copyright things I learned in at USC, like to this day, I still use on emails. I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, this means this, or I'll know what my limitations are based on legally what we're allowed to do because I know the business of copyright. Yeah. So a lot of people use master's programs to kind of pivot and, and, you know, to go into a different area. Actually, I went to, I got my MBA and that was the plan, right? Like I was in financial services and I went back to get my MBA to pivot into something else. The thing is, I didn't really know what I wanted to do even after business school. So I went into consulting. Um, but the point is a lot of people use school as a way to pivot because you, you get to the right program, you have a lot of resources, and then you have that year in between to intern, get some experience and it seems like that's what really helps you get your current role. Awesome. So what? So completely, so, yeah. And it. And I, I think there's a delay, so it, we'll have to work through. 
Okay, go ahead. Um, so can you describe what, what you do? What's your day-to-day like at your current role? So I was just really recently promoted to digital partnerships um, before I was a marketing coordinator. Um, do you want me to like go into both or either or? Um, yeah, you could do do both. I just want to give people a good understanding of what what your job entails and kind of what you do on a on a daily basis. Cool. So when I was the marketing coordinator, um, it it's really like the support structure, right? I'm like the glue to the entire marketing department. So anything that goes on in the digital realm and anything that goes on with the product management realm, I make sure that everything gets done, right? Like we go into meetings and we have these discussions where we say, okay, let's have, let's do a partnership or let's do an influencer, you know, plan. And coming out of that meeting, like people take notes, right. But sometimes there's so much going on that they won't make sure that that meeting happens or continue. Right. So it's my job to make sure that everybody does what we're trying to get done. So it's just kind of keeping all the pieces together. I feel like the best way to explain it is you make sure that everybody else can do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now in my new role as digital partnerships, I'm focused more on building the relationships between any digital platforms and partners we can um, collaborate with. So whether that's um, our representatives like at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, any like social media apps or like digital content partners like Genius, um, AudioMac, like All Deaf, um, anything like that, Fuse TV, like any anything digital and an activation that we can do, like I'm on it. So like, I'm, I'm trying to learn my best. It's crazy. Cause my whole life I was like, I, you know, I, I try to like not be on social media that much, but I know I am. And now it's like, I have to be right. Cause I have to know what's going on on each app. I have to know what's the cool new thing on each app so that we can do something cool with these artists. Right. Cause music nowadays, as sad as it is, doesn't always feel like it's enough. You need to create an experience around it. Or, I mean, I feel like music should be consumed in an experience matter. Right. And especially now with the pandemic, like so much of it has gone digital that like, I think it's the perfect time to do really cool stuff online. For sure. So I'm going to just start out with the question that the most artists hit us with is like, you know, they want to, obviously every, every artist wants more fans, but let's just say, okay, I'm about to put out a single or I'm about to put out an album. Like what are the types of things? Do you have a structure or like, what are some of the initial questions that you sit down and ask an artist before you start putting together this plan? So we definitely want to see, you know, what is the music you're putting out? Like, is it a project? Is it like, is it a cohesive project, like an album? Is it just an EP? Is it just a a few like Lucy singles you want to get out? And depending on what your end goal is, right? Like what are your goals as an artist? Do you want to gain more followers? Do you want to increase your streaming? Do you want to be able to get a headline slot at the show? Like based on what your goals are, we then kind of work our way backwards on how we can get there. So if you know, you have a project that you want to put out and you decide, you know, I really like these three songs on the project. I want to put them out as singles. Then we work out a timeline backwards. Like you want to release this project in July. Okay. Work backwards, uh, a few weeks out of when you want to drop each single. And then it's kind of just like putting in pieces of content where they see fit. So like, if I know the announcement of the album and the single is coming, in a month, like I'll personally start working with our digital partners to be like, Hey guys, we have, you know, this single and this album announced coming on this date. What is something cool that we can do that would also release around that date or fit into the timeline. Right. So if, if fuse can do a content piece for us and it releases like, Oh, a couple weeks after our first single release, like that's another touch point or a piece of content that fans can engage with along the greater timeline of like, until the release comes up. Right. Cause you want to constantly be engaging your fans and giving them stuff to consume because they get excited. They hear an album's coming and they want to consume more. They're like, I can't wait till the next single. Like what other content and what else can I consume with this artist? Because I'm just so excited about them. Right. Mm-hmm. So the most of the artists that you work with now are, are pretty well known or are you working with some artists that are more in their infancy? I mean, they're probably known cause they got signed, but like, where are they at in their careers? Most of the artists that you work with. 
I, I, I'm really like happy with Virgin because we represent such a wide variety of artists and not even just like at the different stages in life, but genres as well. So like we are a distribution and label services company. So we'll sign independent artists, whether they're, you know, just them and their manager or whether we're representing an entire label. Right. So we provide market, we act like a label, but we don't sign um, intense deals where like we own the masters or something like that. Right. So like we, at the end of the day, we're there to advise and be like another part of your team. So we will come in there. We'll, you'll give us the music and be like, this is what I want to do. And we'll try to find a way to make it happen and and give us, you know, the best of our expertise on what's the best way to go about releasing your music. And because of that, we have such a variety of artists. Like we have trippy red who massive, massive artists signed to 10 K. And then we have medium like level artists and then smaller up and coming artists that we just signed that are working their way up. And it's kind of all over the place, which is great. Right. Cause you get one, you get to watch the smaller artists grow Two, you get to really do the big, exciting stuff with the big ones that have a little bit more pull. Um, and then three, like you get to start at the beginning. Sometimes, sometimes an artist might not have that much out, but they have big dreams and you really believe in them. And we want to help those dreams come true. And so it's great to be part of the journey, like from the get-go. Nice. So I want to focus more on the the smaller artists, because I think that's closer to the experience of most people watching this podcast and, you know, start to get some of those initial fans, start to generate that initial excitement. Because for a lot of artists, if they announce that, if they did put out an album and announce an album, there's not going to be like a huge anticipation right out the gate like they're starting to to build so what is some of the things or just some advice for those artists that are starting to build their fan base just it maybe just in terms of releasing music how they should be approaching social media what, what does that advice look like versus a trippy red yeah i think it's key to focus in my opinion like these three things And they're not like the three things, but things that like stand out to me that are super important is one, there's like thousands of music. There's thousands of songs that are released every day. Right. So like how, how do you stand out? Why are you important? Why should anyone even care? Right. And when you think of these larger artists, immediately you think of certain aesthetics or you think of a brand or you think of something that reminds you of them. Right. Like if I were to tell you, like, tell me about Megan the Stallion, you'd be like, Oh, like she dances really well. She's tall. Like she's, she's very independent. She has great style. Like all these things come to mind on top of like her powerful music. Right. So what are the key, like branding things about you that make you important? Like, did you grow up somewhere and you really love repping your city? Do you really like playing video games? Like whatever it is about you that makes you, you, you have to try and really like kind of build a world around your music, right? So you're not just releasing, yes, everyone can just release music, but what is the aesthetic and the vibe you're trying to tell either, either just per project, right? Like either per project, you create an aesthetic in a world, but at the end of the day, you should also be like something that can easily be recognizable. So that's the first thing is like be super unique and recognizable. And the way to do that is, is not to fake it or try to mimic what anyone else is doing. It's really just really doubling down on what makes you you and what do you really love doing and communicating that to fans? Cause that also aids in like content, right? So like, if you do really love playing video games, like go live, like go stream when you're playing a video game, play your music in the background. Like that's another way to connect to fans that might, that, you know, you connect to someone who likes video games and just happens to catch you streaming, but also hears your song and goes, Oh my God, this person makes music. If you like doing your makeup, show everybody how you do your makeup before a show or, doing my makeup in the studio before I record so-and-so. So it's really about like branding and finding things that are unique about yourself. The other thing is I feel like a lot of people stress out, right? Cause there's so many different outlets to communicate with fans. Right. So it's like, I can't keep up, you know, that aesthetic on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Tumblr and all it's just endless and on TikTok, it just doesn't end. So thing I think I find helpful is like what, comes to you naturally. Like, are you more active on Twitter or are you more active on Instagram? And once you really find a way, like the channel that you communicate to, that you can communicate to your fans the most direct way and the most, and it's easiest to you and you feel like you're getting the most engagement, you naturally gravitate to that platform to communicate to fans. Use that as your main building block. 
And then at the end of the day, you can just syndicate some of that content to the other channels so that it still lives. People can still find you, but it's not like your main point of entry, right? So like anything you post on Instagram reels can also be posted to TikTok. Anything you post on Instagram stories can be posted to Twitter fleets, can be posted on Snapchat. So use your main like thing that you're good at using and engaging fans with and be consistent with it. And then just syndicate that content elsewhere so that at least your reach is still there. Right. Um, so that's it on the digital side. Um, what was, I forgot the third thing. <laughs> I think it was wrapped into the brands. <laughs> no, I mean, that's awesome. It, it's a lot of the stuff that we, we, that we time and time again, in terms of like having that unique story and being able to tell your story so that, you know, people start to, uh, become to just like you as a person because what I've experienced and what I've seen is like if people like you, your music sounds better to people that just like you. Um, not to take any pressure off of making great music, but you know, if people like you, I think they really buy into to all of you and, and your music's a part of that, obviously. Um, oh, so what is, so what is your, uh, so what is your personal opinion on TikTok? There's a lot of pushback on TikTok from some some artists, especially within the hip hop community. They think it's corny. Uh, it's not for them. I think TikTok has gotten to a place it's just too big to ignore. But how, what is your advice to 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 young artists about TikTok? I think it's amazing. I think it's I think it's really cool. And like, you have to really sit there and just like be in awe of the grant, right? Like for a long time, I was like also anti-TikTok. I was like, oh, I don't know, man. And then I started personally using it. I was like, this is hilarious. Like you can really find your community on here. And then just seeing what it's done for music. I know at first people were like, you know, upset, but it's like, how can you be like, this is just showing the rate that music can grow and like touch fans. And what was it? I think that Immenbeck won a Grammy this year for the remix that he did to St. John, which blew up on TikTok. Like that, like to, to go from saying like, Oh, TikTok's not that important. And then see someone win a Grammy for it. Like, come on. Like you can't ignore how big and important it is. And I think another thing is people are so obsessed with, I think people are focusing on the wrong things when it comes to TikTok. Right. So like people immediately just want their sound or their song to blow up and become a trend. And that's what they focus on instead of just genuinely losing the platform as it's made to be like make videos, share videos. If you don't feel comfortable you know, editing or doing anything fancy, like use videos that you've posted in your other pieces of content and share that to TikTok. Like sh- use your own music on TikTok. When you go on TikTok and, and like, use the platform to post videos of yourself, just doing your makeup or going on live or being in the studio, or here's a sneak peek of a song coming up, or here's how I made this song. Like all of that is just more content and another way that fans can reach you, right? If you just go on there and be yourself and do your thing and continue to share pieces of information about your life and your process and your music, eventually it'll touch the right people, right? Cause that's what TikTok is good at. It'll segment who you are as a brand, as a person, and what information and entertainment you kind of put out there and connect you with like individuals. And then your music again, just happens to be like the cherry on top where it's like, this is a really funny video, or this is a really personal video that came on my feed. And oh my God, the music's also amazing. Like, where can I go listen to it? Oh my God, this person makes a lot more music than I thought they do. This music's great. Let me follow them on every other platform. And it kind of like snowballs from there. So I feel like people see songs blow up on TikTok and that's their like main focus and only worry instead of like, just use the platform, like have fun on the platform, be yourself and the right song in the right moment will come to be. Yeah. And, and TikTok, you know, it's been around for a while now. And, you know, obviously when, when there's a new platform, I always encourage artists to be a first mover because that's when there's, there's typically more of an opportunity to do well on that platform but TikTok has been around for a minute and it still seems like there's a great opportunity or a great chance if you use it consistently and are you're creative enough, you know, you, you, there's a good chance that you get that pop in, in, in numbers at some point. Um, so it, it's, it seems to be like a great platform. Um, being, this is probably more in your, in your past in, in the marketing coordinator position, but was there any tools or resources that you use to organize social media stuff that maybe you can suggest for people listening or did you or did you not use any tools or resources like social or something like that? 
Well, I believe organization definitely starts with like your personal organization. So whether that's like starting off, like building a calendar, which like you can do, you can build a calendar, like lay out what you're going to post when, even on like Google Excel sheets, you know, like it doesn't have to be on Airtable or you don't have to like track your workflow on Asana or Monday or anything like that. But there's a ton of free platforms that will also schedule posts for you. So like I said, if you know you're going to post a certain piece of content, you can schedule it with like later or buffer. And there's a ton more I'm forgetting, but there's a ton of free stuff that like you can go on there, link your accounts and it'll post on all of your accounts for you. So you don't have to, you know, remember, Oh my God, at 6 PM, I have to post this flyer and come up with a caption. Like you can do all that ahead of time. And same goes for like posting announcements, right? You want to also be actively like engaging with friends and replying to comments. Right. And you don't want to like slip some slip something slip through the cracks. So it's, I'm a big organizer, like personally, like I love Airtable and mm-hmm. I like, I like Asana. Like it just keeps me in order because there's so much flying around between emails and stuff to do. But for artists, it's, you know, sometimes it even starts with just a notebook, like make a list, categorize that list, right? Like this is what I need to do today. This is what I need to do tomorrow. This is like the social, like media stuff I need to do. This is like the content pieces I need to do. This is like the music stuff I need to do and then fit it in your schedule, how you see fit or however you're most productive is whether it's like getting the really big, large, long-term projects done first so that you feel like you've accomplished and can keep going or getting the small things done first. So you like, let me knock out the five minute tasks really quickly. Yeah. So I recently started working with a social media manager, one of the, one of the clients I mentioned uses Airtable. Um, and it's really dope the way she has things laid out, especially as you have a larger team and maybe there are, you know, the, the, the artists still post to their pages and that you have the social media manager. So you need to be on the same page because you don't want to post at the same time or too close to the last post. So everything kind of needs to be visible and transparent so people can see what's going on. So we don't have any of those conflicts and Airtable seems to be, you know, a pretty, pretty awesome platform for that. Um, It's literally my favorite thing. I I feel like I do so much on Airtable. A lot of my workflow is on there. And it's, it's the cool thing about it is it's really just data management. Like it's data storage, but it's easy to read. Right. And there's a ton of automations and I like to call it Excel on drugs because it, it, it's, you can, it's the same stuff you can do in Excel, but it's a little bit cleaner to read and you can do a lot more cool stuff with it. So big Airtable fan. For sure. For sure. I haven't played around with it too much, but I definitely plan on getting more well-versed in it um, as, as we use it more. Uh, with with all of the, the artists that you've, that you've worked with, do some things stand out in terms of like examples of like great marketing techniques or does anything stand out like, oh, this was a good marketing plan? Maybe the plan as a whole or maybe some specific things that you guys did with an artist. Is there anything that, that that it pops out. Yeah. I think, um, I gotta say trippy again, just because like I came in to this job, like as a fan from the get go. And when we were working on, we were working on Pegasus for months and I was, it was the first time I was like, Oh my God, you can like work on a project for like six months before it comes out. It was like mind blowing to me that that's how much work went into it. Um, mm-hmm. but Pegasus we knew for a while was going to come out around October for Halloween. And, we really use that to our advantage in so many ways, right? So like, it's not just Pegasus is a really sick project, but it's also like, how can we tie in, you know, the Halloween factor? And there was just so many small working cogs in that entire plan. Like we were going to do a haunted house, but obviously COVID was still very much and is still very much um, like a global issue. So we ended up doing a virtual haunted house where fans could go online, run around the haunted house, interact with different things. There was prizes if they got to the end of the maze, like they could go into different things and watch like a music video. Like it was sick. So we did a virtual haunted house. We ended up doing a drive-in and um, fans could go and watch um, Candyman, which is uh, Trippy's favorite horror movie. So like, that's another touch point, right? Like people can go and physically like listen to the album and then watch a horror movie and and be immersed in Pegasus. Um, He ended up doing the Rolling Loud uh, live stream, which was Halloween themed because it was on Halloween weekend. So like he did a live stream performing songs from the actual track even leading up to the actual release, we did, um, we did a pre-save campaign where if you went and pre-saved the album, you could download one like horror, 
like ringtones of like him like screaming and there was one thing that was like Pegasus is coming Pegasus is coming and it was like all creepy like haunted house right. sounds um you would download also like pumpkin carving templates so like on Halloween I sat and like got to carve out like trippy red into a pumpkin and like his logo into a pumpkin 1400 and stuff like that um and even even leading up to the project he dropped like in a, like a tiny EP which was like spooky sounds so it was literally like I think it was six tracks of him making like weird, spooky haunted house noises. So like if you ended up having like a little haunted house moment at your house, you could play trippy, like being creepy in the background. Right. So it was like, everything was so themed around like, let's activate on this holiday and this like specifically like themed release that it it was just like so cool on so many different platforms. Nice. How did you guys do the uh, virtual haunted house? How did, what platform was that, that built on? So um, Universal Music has this great team called Lemonade and they do a lot of really sick digital activation. So anytime you see maybe like a little game or any like digital worlds like that, they usually um, like either do it themselves or like work with um, with like freelancers to build this world for us. So they, they were really supportive and amazing and, and super creative on building that. It was, it was dope. They even had like a giant Pegasus statue in it. It was sick. Nice, nice. And was the did the Trippy want to drop? It sounds like he wanted to drop the the project around Halloween because it had a spooky vibe to it. So this was all on all on purpose. It sounds like. Yeah, completely. And even I mean, yeah, he has a song on there called Sleepy Hollow. Like I wouldn't say that. I'm not sure. Like his whole thing was like, let's make it a scary album, but yeah, it was just let's get into the vibe and the theme. Like this is the vibe we're going for, and it. And it just seemed perfect. It was like, yeah, I'm going to drop on Halloween. Let's do this. It was originally going to be like, you know, September, October. And then he was like, fuck it. Let's just push it to Halloween and like really dial in on the holiday. Right. And it was also like, what can we do for fans when like the world is completely shut down? Like, Mm. what do we do? We like, we should make it around Halloween and make it really cool and like find a way to let fans celebrate Halloween and enjoy this album when it doesn't feel like you can celebrate Halloween. Right. Right, right, right. And then I'm always talking to artists, like, because obviously the in-person stuff is dope, but how do you capitalize on the in-person stuff online as well? So what did you guys do with the drive-in and the movie that to show it online and to share that experience online? What, what types of things did you guys do there? Well, we exclusively did the drive-in, um, like in person and we did it in multiple cities. I think we did it in five, four or five cities, um, across the U S simultaneously. Um, and so it was just letting fans know like, Hey, you can buy a ticket, come watch a movie with trip. And he had like a special message for fans play before. Um, I'm pretty sure in certain venues, they like named the popcorn and like the soda after like songs from the album, right? Like really creating that aesthetic of like letting fans come together in a safe way and like experience something Trippy wanted them to experience, right? His favorite horror movie, play some songs off the album and watch a great message of him, like thanking them for, for supporting him on his journey and coming to enjoy this album. It pretty sure came, the movie was like night of release, right? So like fans could listen to the album, which is what I did on the way to go watch the movie, go watch the movie and then go listen to the album on the way home again. So, yeah. That's super dope. The drive, I love drive-ins too. Um, so who, were you responsible for, for coordinating that? Like who was responsible for identifying the cities, identifying the, the, the drive-ins and getting people on the same page on, on how the night would, would go, you know, in relation to the album? Yeah, that actually was my idea. I was like, we should do a drive-in and everybody loved it and went roll with it. And so I then, um, I reached out to, thankfully, because I used to work in events, I knew a ton of people that freelanced and did this kind of stuff. So I reached out to a good friend, um, Gabriel, who pretty much runs, uh, like we'll do freelance events and branding activations. So I knew that he would do it and he'd be able to like execute it without like a hitch. And so after like several meetings with him and management, we kind of got the idea of like, all right, let's play Trippy pick the movie. He was like, let's play Candyman. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, I think in certain cities, there was also, um, we also played Sleepy Hollow too. I think, I, I think it was certain cities were open enough where they'd let you do a double feature and other cities weren't, and they wouldn't let you do a double feature. So they were like, you can only play Candyman. And we were like, we'll do that. 
Um, but yeah, but Gabe pretty much handled all of it. Like as soon as we were like, this is what we want. We want this. We want this. We looked at, um, his like top streaming cities to see like where most of his fans were so that we could really contribute and let those fans experience the album and the the movie. And so we were like, Hey, we want to do it in these cities. And then he just kind of ran with it. He started cold calling, uh, different drive-in venues and seeing like how we could collaborate and if they had the night open and if we could book it and went from there. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people listening to this might think, oh, I'm not as big as Trippy Red. That probably has a, has a bigger budget. But, you know, the, the, the point of talking about this and giving this example, because you can do a version of this. You know, if you're, let's just say you are a, you know, what part of your story is you're a big movie person and you wanted to do the same thing, like renting out a theater, just one theater in your hometown is not, it's not that expensive to do. So you you know, you know, you may not be able to replicate it in multiple cities across the country, but it is something that you could potentially do in your hometown if you have some support and in and going to the movies is part of your story, you know. So it's uh, a smaller version is definitely possible. I just wanted I just just learning how you're thinking about it, how you're thinking about the release, I think is important because that's that's you know how I think artists should be rolling out their project or what they should be thinking about when they're rolling out their project. Um, is, there, is, there any other, is there any other artist that, that, that comes to mind or any other activation that might be a good example that might spark some creative thoughts for listeners? Let me think. I'm trying to think of like a smaller one right now so that I can like see the comparison or I don't want to name another big person. Um it can be a big person. If not, we can. I also want to take some questions too before I close this out. So, so while while she's thinking, I want to let you guys know. No matter if you're joining us on Facebook or Periscope or YouTube, if you put your questions in the comments, I'll be able to see them, and um, I'll try to see if CC can answer a few of them before we close out today. So, uh, put your questions in the comments, and I will see if we can get to them before we close out. Um, anything come to mind yet, CC or not? No, I'm, I get so under pressure. I'm like, I don't know, maybe that one, or that one. <laughs> um, I really, I really, I'm very happy with Maggie Lindeman. Like her EP came out in January, and that was a long time coming as well. So she's very she's very much herself and like loves doing her makeup. Like we'll go live and do her makeup. Like this one thing is like, she's very much herself and we'll share that with fans on all aspects. Right. Like she'll share herself being goofy on TikTok or, um, just little things like that. Right. It's like about building the environment and, and kind of telling fans your story or your story around the project and, going through it's like it's like watching a movie right like you watch a movie you get sucked into this world you become really interested in it you want to know what's happening and you stay through the end because you're like i want to know what's going to go happen the ending is the album so it's like how do you suck fans in from the beginning from your single to the end and tell this story and get them engaged and get them to want to watch to the ending right right yeah and i think something it seems like played a part in that in that project too is just having the time to execute right because a lot of artists they finish the project and they want to put it out next week seems like we had a pretty decent amount of time to work with with trippy's project to really think through some more creative ideas to space it out really tell the story build that anticipation um giving yourself time because you want to get your art maximum exposure you don't want to rush things um so it seems like that that's that's another important point that i think for people to take away from this yeah time gives you time is the best we love time time gives you the ability to not only plan and execute it but also to tell people that it's coming right time gives you the ability to say I am shooting a music video for the single that's coming in a few months. Let me start contacting possible brand partners now, right? If you tell me this music video needs to be shot and comes out like in two days, like you're not gonna be able to get anyone on board to help you with that. Like it's, you're just gonna have to hustle. And like, sometimes it does require that and we get it done and that's fine. But the more time you have, obviously you can plan and better introduce the project and kind of pivot where you need to, to make things right. 
Yeah. And if you're working with somebody like Cece, Cece's working with multiple clients. So you can't just spur things on them and expect them to move at your pace because she already has things on her calendar. Um, so it's going to be tough to, to really do a good job with, on your project if you're always rushing things. Um, all right, here we go. So let's see. Cloud9 says, what are some new advances on social media platforms that you think artists would be taking advantage of? I got to say, people need to start using the new like aspects. So anytime a social media introduces a new feature, get on it. Like Twitter Spaces, which is like the Clubhouse competitor, get on it. Start using it. Like when... Instagram first introduced stories like you should have been the first one on there and moving your content from Snapchat over to there or vice versa and even just syndicating it or creating new content. Start using Instagram Reels and share content there as well as on TikTok. Like you need to be anything new that they come out with one like you said you're going to be the first person on it, right? So it's going to be you're going to get the fresh audience as people start to use it. But two, you're indirectly whether you're a big or a small artist and through the journey of your like artistry you're showing support to that platform right you're telling them i really love using your platform and i'm going to use everything that's available to me on this platform if you're like an avid instagram user and you like refuse to use reels you're just kind of telling them like you're like oh, i don't care about you guys and it's like you should care. This is like where your audience is. And this is a new like segment that they've created specifically for you to be able to create content and connect with your fans. You should care and you should be using it. Yep. So and that's, so some of the other platforms, so YouTube shorts is, is, is a newer version, um, a new, new uh, surface on, on YouTube. I know fleets has been out for a minute now, but on Twitter, Twitter now has story like function. Um, so yeah, I agree 100% because these platforms basically, you know, when they come out with a new uh, tool for, they need as much data as possible to kind of see, you know, how it's working, how they can change it. So you want to kind of play into that, um, that that test, and because they have, I think the reels especially because reels uh, have been getting a lot of love on, on Instagram. If you're not using reels, then you know I think you're missing out. Uh, cool. Let's see. Shane asks for artists establishing their artist identity brand is very important, but also can be difficult. How do you recommend to find their identity slash brand? Where should they start to begin that process? That's a very like personal and like spiritual journey within yourself, right? So it's the same thing when people tell you like, to be in a happy relationship, you have to be single. Like to be a successful artist, you have to not be a successful artist. Like you have to be yourself and figure out why do you, why do you even make music? Like what, why do you play the instrument you play? Why do you make the beats you do? Why does your sound sound the way it does? What do you like to do when you're not playing music? What if you couldn't play music and it wasn't even an option for you? What else would you do? How do you spend your time? Do you meditate in the morning? Do you get up and work out in the morning? Do you hate the mornings? Are you a night person? You know, do you like going out? Do you like staying in? Like everything about everybody on so many different aspects of who you are as a person and what kind of personality you have is different. And there's like no one person is the same to a T and that's like where your brand and identity comes from, right? It's like only you can experience the stuff you've been through and talk about how you moved every year when you were young. And so you've lived in like five different places or how like you had to struggle and like all this stuff, like any story, anything you've been through is unique to you. And that's part of the brand and identity. And it's like, what do you really like? Like, I dyed my hair blue. I'm now the girl with the blue hair. Like, that's just who I am. I've always dyed my hair here and there. I used to work in events. I'm always at a concert. That's just who I am. I'm always at a concert. You will see me at a concert. I will always be there every weekend when they come back and it's safe. But like everything about you and what you like to do and who you are as a person can feed into your brand. And if you think about any artist, certain things come to mind, certain outfits come to mind, certain shows, certain words, their aesthetic comes to mind. And that's only because they're so secure with who they are and they're comfortable with showing that to the world. 
Yeah, and I think that you know a lot of artists they might they might think about the things that they do when they're not releasing music, and they may be like, "Oh, that's not I don't do anything special." Well, that's to me how you connect with people. I think a lot of people do things that they don't feel are special. So as long as you're open about the things that you don't feel are special, there's probably a connection that you can create there through those things that you don't think are special, but, you know, might actually be, you know, once you reveal that, that shared connection with people. Um, so I appreciate the question, Shane. Let's see. Let's see. I know there was some more. Uh, Mr. Smith says, what are your thoughts? Do you have advice on how independent artists can come together and share in the marketing efforts slash costs? That's a good idea. I didn't think of, that's that's a good idea. People should collab more. I mean, I'm always a fan of my biggest thing is like, okay, now you don't really need a studio to record the music, right? You can just do it at home, but it's like, what do you all have to contribute to each other? Whether it's you already like mesh well and you want to make the music together, but it's like if if artist A has an at-home studio and artist B has some cash to spare, like Maybe artist A provides the studio for the whole weekend for everyone to record their music and artist B throws some money towards like ads for both you guys, right? Like it's like everything is a give and take. Like you make friends and you help each other out and it's, it's taking the strengths that everybody has individually and bringing them together. So if like someone's really, really good at social media content and likes to, if, you know, and I, I wouldn't like, obviously starting out, you have to do this yourself because you don't have a manager or friends to run this for you. But if like, if you as an artist have like a mutual friend, if there's two artists and they have a mutual friend who loves running social media, like let them run both your social medias, right? You don't have to, it's, it's about everyone's strengths, strengths and weaknesses and playing into that. And, and it's a give and take of like any relationship is like, what do you have to offer? What do I have to offer? Can we come out of this better together? Yeah, so I so one of the projects I still do is a is a project called One Week Notice because I believe that more independent artists need to collaborate. So One Week Notice is a project where I fly six artists to LA to create a project in a week, um, and obviously we're, they're sharing each other's fan bases, but we're also communicating to share each other's resources, you know, to try to get the project as many looks as possible. So that's I would encourage anybody listening to this to create their own one don't call it one week notice because we're calling it one week notice but you can call it whatever you want um you know just i always encourage more collaboration and and to get in get in front of each other's fans um share resources and, and not necessarily force it but you know you guys can move a lot further and faster uh via collaboration than, than you can on your own. And I think that's something that independent artists don't do enough of. Um, so, cool. All right, let's see. We got a couple more questions before we close this down. Let's see. Who's Infinite M says, question for both of you. What motivates you more as you have a dialogue about the artist development? Watching the creative process and fruition of growing artists or being a part of the development process whether or not the person becomes big. Oh, I just like to be a part of it. Like I like, I work in music. I feel like I couldn't do, I literally can't imagine myself doing anything else. Like, and I personally don't play any instruments. Like I know basic pro tools at most, right? Like I'm not a singer. I can't do any of that. So I love listening to music and hearing and learning about the artistic process and what they're going through. But like I'm down for the ride, like whether we make it or not, at least we tried and at least we had fun doing it. And we got to, we know we created a a good project and got it out to the people. And if we just haven't found your audience yet, then that's fine. Like we're working on it still. Cause you never know. Things could blow up overnight. Right. Look at TikTok. (laughs) Right. For sure. All right. So we'll answer a couple more. Let's see. Where should artists look for brand partnerships if they have a low budget? And let me let me add to that question. At what point do you believe artists should look for brand partnerships? Whenever. Like I could start if I decided I want to be an artist today, you could do it. All it takes is gusto and a phone. I used to do brand partnerships at uh, we did this um, concert in my college and zero budget. Like the, the guy was basically just like, all right, well, like we need money to even throw this show. Like we need brand partnerships go. 
And I literally cold called companies. I was just like, hey, I'm doing this like tiny concert on campus. Like we're going to have this many attendees and we're going to have like the, you know, the FIU like newspaper write about it. Like, do you want to be a part of it? And people would, people are down. Like people want their name out there. They want collaborations. And like, if you're a small artist, say you find like a really small brand, like clothing brand, that's also like relatively small, but they contribute a few pieces or they can throw you 200 bucks as long as you wear their pieces in your music video. Like down the line, that brand may grow up to be huge. And so will you maybe. And then you both kind of grew up together and supported each other from the get-go. And now you can get even bigger deals with them because you've been a supporter from day one, right? It literally, it starts with everything. Like if your friends start something, hit them up and find a way to support them. I know like monetary value is the hard one, right? Like it's hard to get money out of people, but all it requires is a phone call and pitching them about why you're worth it and why, and the kind of exposure you can offer and, and long-term, like what are the, what does the partnership look like for you guys? So it, it just requires gusto and like a ton of research to call people and just hope for the best. It's going to be a lot of no's, but eventually you'll find someone who says yes. Yeah. So I, I, I would agree with that, but I just want to make sure that people heard kind of your approach to things. So, you know, you, you had, you did a lot of research, you explained to them what you were doing you know, why it might benefit them. You said you had X amount of, you're going to expect X amount of people at the show. So their brand could potentially get those eyeballs. Um, So you have to pitch it and show some credibility. I'm assuming that just going to that school, having the school behind you gave you a little bit, a little bit more credibility or gave the event a little bit more credibility. So how can, you know, you as an artist, build some credibility as you're talking to some of these potential brand sponsors um, and let them know what they can receive, what they, what you expect them to receive in in return. Um, Yeah. And I think even if you, even if you get a bunch of no's, you start to become more comfortable speaking and pitching. um, And that's a super valuable skill set. Yeah. It starts with also like, right? Like, what do you have to offer if you're brand new and this is your first single? Honestly, it's your fans. Like, who's your following right now? Why are people going to listen to your first single, let alone like even recognize, you know, who's going to get eyes on this brand if they give you money or give you some kind of partnership, right? It's the long-term goal of like, I have X number of fans. I'm expecting X number of views on this album or on this music video. Like, here's why we should collab. And like going back to the FIU partnership that I got, like one of the biggest ones I got that year was I got like a monetary value from this company that does like led robots and like led design. And so they were like, okay, we'll give you some cash and we'll bring like two robots as long as we get to advertise our services there. And that partnership turned into a long-term thing where like the year later, we finally had some funding from elsewhere and we were able to then pay them to build our stage. So then they built us a custom stage. So it was like an ever going, like they gave, put some faith into us by giving us cash the first year the year after that, we were able to like straight up pay them for them to build something for us. Right. So it's give and take back and forth. I had a friend who is managing a really small up and coming artist. And he was like, yeah, I got, you know, I got a brand deal with this clothing brand and I'm going to do a live stream from their new store that just opened. So I'm going to highlight that they just opened a new store here in LA and my live stream will be there. I get to play my music. I get to be in the store. I get like a couple pieces of clothing. Right. And it's like, what can you offer to the people you're collaborating with? And again, it's like, show them the long-term goal, right? And like, here's here's why I'm showing trajectory to be like really big and how you being involved can help both of us. That's crucial. The long-term is crucial because the best case scenario is you want to lock in with people that you know are going to say yes so that every year you don't have to keep pitching. You like, you have this kind of partner now that sees the value working with you. And as you're doing events or going on tour, you know, you don't have to, put together a whole new pitch deck and try to find some more brand sponsors because they're getting what they want out of the situation. And you guys are growing together. Like CC said, I think it's awesome to build a long-term relationship. That's best case scenario, in my opinion. Um, let's see, we'll do one more. We'll do one more. Um, what piece of advice have you received from someone else that's helped you in the music industry? Oh, I love this. Um, so I, 
I took a class at FIU. Um, basically, they had they they used to offer a class called nightclub management, and it like went away. And I was like, I want to take this class. Like, why is it not offered anymore? And they were like, we can't find anyone to teach it. So I like harassed one of our like professors who taught like restaurant and bar management. And I was like, please teach it. Like, please, I really just want to take this class. And so he he ended up teaching it. They brought it back. I was like, I I was able to take it like the first year they brought it back after it was gone for like eight years. Um, And first day of class, he was like, well, I'm going to be honest, you guys, like I can, I've run bars, I've run restaurants, but I don't know anything about nightclubs, but I know someone who does. So he's going to come in and like bring different people from his team every week to speak to you. That person was Dave Grutman. For those who don't know Dave, he's pretty much like king of Miami, owns the biggest, the biggest and most famous nightclubs there, as well as like a bunch of new restaurants that he's opened up as new ventures. But so Dave came to speak to us. And the first thing he told us was, if you don't do something now, you're never going to do it. And it's so true because in any moment, if you don't answer that email right away, you're just going to keep putting it away. If you say, I'm going to release this, I'm going to release this, but you never, if you don't do it now, if you don't like set the release plan now and start acting on it and start calling people and finding a brand deal, finding someone to manage you, like if you don't act on the things you keep saying you're going to do, you're never going to do it. You're just going to keep putting it off. That's very good advice. That's very good advice. And I see people here co-sign as well. Said they said you're dropping gems. Yes, she's been dropping gems for the past hour. We appreciate it. Is there anything else that you would like to leave with our audience? Um, anything you'd like to promote? Any last words for for folks? Just let people know where to find you at that. Um, if we have some time, I kind of want to tell people how I got my job because I feel like it's such a long story and and I'll shorten it obviously, but it, it just proves persistence, right? People are going to tell you how persistent you have to be in music. This is prime example. Okay. I went to USC. There was like a, a panel happening where Nicole Wazorsko from Interscope, she runs digital, um, she runs urban operations there, um, was speaking and they weren't going to let like our class in. It was like only for a different like class. And I complained and I was like, I want to go see like someone who works in music business speak. This is ridiculous. So after arguing, they let us in. I got there at the end of the like panel. I tried to talk to her. Couldn't really get to her. I get home. I cold email her. I figure out her email, right? I had to do a lot of research, figured out her email, cold email, had a little talk. Didn't really go anywhere. That was it. Months go by. I'm in Miami working rolling loud. And I see her like walking around backstage. I go up to her to introduce myself again. And I go, Hey, you spoke at USC we emailed, how are you? Right. Like touch points. It was great. Went by months go by. I'm at another conference. She happens to be speaking. And again, I'm like, Oh my God, look who it is. And I try to talk to her again at the end of the conference. Again, too many people try to talk to her. We couldn't really have a conversation. I go home. I email her again. I'm like, Hey, you spoke at USC. I saw you rolling loud. I saw you again today. Like, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And then finally we like went, got coffee, had a great conversation. And she was she passed my resume along to HR, had an interview with HR, and then they put me in like the pot of like, okay, if we have openings, we'll let you know. But then like I had an HR email to reach out to whenever I applied to jobs at UMG and I applied to this job, hit up HR, got a couple interviews, did well, and here I am, right? So it was a year of like me doing touch points and like following up and people give up after one no. It's like send a follow-up email. Try every different outsource. If you see someone that you vaguely know, go up to them and be like, I really like your music. Or I I know that you work with this artist. I really admire what you guys are doing. Like be aggressive, you know, like politely, but be aggressive. Like you're going to have to, you're going to have to like keep trying until something pulls through. That is more great advice because I think, you know, it, it, what happened, and I think people have seen this theme reoccurring in a lot of our guests, is just how proactive you have to be to get things done. Um, you know, you have to kind of knock people over the head a few different times in order to get their attention. Um, that's just that's just how it goes. Even at this point, you know, even though I've I've, I've had you know probably 13 years experience in the music industry, um, you know, I reached out to to, to there's a new app from Facebook called bars. And I just, I reached out, had a conversation. I could see there wasn't skepticism, but it was just kind of more surface level. But then they found out that their boss was my business school classmate. So that was like another positive thing. Like, okay, maybe he has a little bit more credibility. And then they heard me on the travel podcast and then they circled back. Like, so you just have to have these different touch because this industry is small. 
this, this industry is super small. Once you start moving and shaking, you know, you at Rolling Loud, I mean, there's, you know, like I said, the industry is very small. So always put your best foot forward, be positive and be proactive. Cause that story that you just told, I mean, I don't, you wouldn't have gotten the job otherwise if you didn't have those different touch points. Literally. Yeah. Consistency and touch points. It's a very small industry. So be nice. Cool. And that is, so, and that that's CC's uh, username on both Twitter and Instagram, correct? Correct. Yeah. Just Sion. It's just me. <laughs> okay. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you very much. Um, I hope that we can, we can touch base maybe later in the year. Um, and, and you can give us an update on, I didn't even know that, that Virgin bought Caroline. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't even a buy. It was just a name change. Everything's like absolutely the same. And fun fact, Caroline actually used to be, when it was founded, was an imprint under Virgin, when Virgin Records was like, okay. Okay. It's like coming back into the family, right? <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, thank you very much. Um, I'll definitely be in touch. If there's anything that we could ever help you with or help you promote, we'd be happy to do it. Um, so yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Dame. This was awesome. Really appreciate it. This is great. I love that you do this for everybody. And I feel like knowledge is power. Everyone should be getting out there and hustling and this is the way to do it. Yes. Yes. So we have this session, we have Thursday sessions, which is more for producers that DJ Payne, the DJ Payne one runs. Um, and actually on Mondays at one thirty, so in about 30 minutes, we also have an artist management roundtable because artist management is kind of one of those jobs where there's not that much structure or like, you know, not that many resources. So it's, it's not on this platform. It's on zoom. It's just a live zoom where people can kind of just network and share best practices. So if you're listening and this is the first time you're hearing of this, you can sign up for that in the Instagram, um, in our Instagram bio, the, the Music Entrepreneur Club Instagram bio. And in that, I'll see you in about 29 minutes. Um, but thanks again, Cece. I'll be in touch. Enjoy the rest of your week. Everyone else, I'll see you guys later. Peace out. Bye.